fired up right now down here in the High Button Sports Studio on a Monday morning. Have a little bit of caffeine in my system. Uh, nothing really gets me going. Also, a little Led Zeppelin to start the week. Uh, today's episode of the High Button Podcast is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com. Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Football season is back. There's a little chill in the air. That's how you know. There's a great promo right now where you can earn up to $100 in free play tokens. Every $20 wager on football on ProLine or Stadium Bets will earn you $5 in free play tokens for use on football winning margins, all right? That means you can place bets on money lines, over-unders, and spreads to start earning free play tokens for your use on football winning margins. This offer is valid for up to 20 tokens until September 5th, all the way until October 16th, okay? Free play tokens must be used by October 35th, 31st, sorry, damn it, 31st. Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app for all the best odds. Single game betting in an all-star lineup of the top sports leagues from around the world. You must be 19 years of age or older Please play responsibly. If you're waking up in the beautiful province of Nova Scotia, or at least the, in the HRM here, you're looking out your window and you're seeing a, a beautiful sun coming up, and it's going to be a great uh, great Monday here in Halifax. So we're looking out our window here in the High Button Sports Studio. We know it's going to be a great day, and we hope you're waking up on this Monday and you're going to have a, a great week. Um, one of the more fitting podcasts for a, a Monday podcast jp mccallum one of the top hockey train i don't even want to say hockey trainer just overall trainer um in general in this part of the world that we like to call the uh, atlantic provinces he's trained some of the top athletes in the world right now uh, you know a couple names brad marchand to be at the top there he's you know andrew Bonnerchuk, stephen mccauley alex grant the list goes on and on and on of who jp mccallum has trained over the years i met jp probably when i was maybe 12, 13 years old, back when I was, you know, a peewee Bantam player, and we used to do sessions um, with him, and you, you could just see the intensity in this guy's eyes of when he's training a group of individuals, he's not messing around, he, he wants to make you better, he wants to make you a better person, a better hockey player, just an overall healthier individual, and JP brings that to the table, and that's why um, some of the relationships that he's had with these top athletes around the world have lasted for, you know, more than 20 years. Um, really fortunate to have JP on the podcast. Uh, I really hope uh, that you guys are motivated by this episode. I know I was. Some of the stories he was telling me about the sacrifices that the athletes he works with, uh, it's it, it's unbelievable some of the sacrifices these people are making. So without further ado, this is the JP uh, McCallum. Actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I also want to talk about his hockey coaching side. He's been uh, a coach uh, for St. Mary's. The, for the past three, not past three years, but in the early 2000s, he was coaching uh, with St. Mary's. Also, he was coaching at the world championship level for teams like Hungary, U20, uh, Denmark. He was over in Japan a bit as well. Uh, did I mention Hungary? So the guy's been all around the world, and he has been able to carve out a career in the in this beautiful game that we like to call hockey. So really great interview. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm Justin Belanger. This is the JP McCallum Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. JP, we finally made it happen. We made it through a hurricane. Uh, I know you had a huge, busy summer, and to have you after uh, all this, I'm pumped to have you. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Jess. How was how was the past summer? I know uh, you know you're obviously you're a really busy guy in the summer months, and uh, 
to have a kind of an easy month right now in September. I don't want to say easy, but less busy. How uh, how was the summer? Summer's fantastic. Yeah, I had a great crew of athletes going this summer. It was my uh, third summer in my my facility. I guess okay. when I have my officially have my own space. Yeah. So uh, yeah, number three, certainly out of three of those. So wow, it was great. Congratulations. Was yeah. Where's the facility at? The facility is on the Hammonds Plains Road, very close to the Bedford Four Pad, just around the corner. Oh. So you're right in the demographic of where you I want am. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Great location for me. Um, I have to take advantage of it a little more. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not much for advertising. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't, no, I've never heard about it. Is that how you like <laughs> it, though? Enough. It's always worked for me. Um, the way I chose choose to do things, it's, it's only me doing you know, everything there, the training, the on ice, the off ice, the field and everything. Uh, my wife does yoga. So we keep it small. So And, and I'm full that way. Yeah. So advertising, marketing, you know, I can't take on, can't take on more. So that's, that's my excuse anyway. Do you ever flirt with the idea of getting bigger or do you like just being one-on-one with, uh, with, with your, with your people? I, I like having that touch on it. Yeah. Yeah. You've always been yeah. that way. From, yeah. from a young, I remember just like, you know, hearing your name when we were younger. It was like, no, if you're with JP, JP's with you. It's not going to be, he's not going to toss you to someone. You're going to learn from him. Yeah. I just remember that. Yeah. That, that is, that's my preference. If I'm doing it, you're in my program, involve me, one of my athletes, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. Like it. Um, I want to talk about the, the beginning of uh, of your career. Would I call you a strength coach? Would I call you a trainer? Would I call you a, a life developer? What, what, what would I call you? Yeah, I, coach. Yeah, coach? Yeah, she was a coach. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Yeah, that, so That's fine. Where, where did this all develop of, of, of being a coach? How old were you when you go, oh, maybe I want to start helping some athletes around here? Yeah, the, the intro into the, the coaching side would have started Alan Andrews Hockey School. So I grew up in PEI. I didn't know that. It's my home. Uh, Sherwood Parkdale guy going up. So at 10 years old, uh, I was one of the one of the original Andrews kids. So it's 40. I think it's like 42 years ago now when he actually started that. And uh, by 10 years old, I'm the demonstrator in the summer. So the way that school worked, 10 weeks in the summer, you know, I'd be there every morning doing the, the skating. And you, and you just go through the ranks in the system. You, if you if you like, Alan likes you, you want to come back, so you're demonstrator the junior instructor the senior instructor okay. so for the years 10 to 20 years old every summer was andrews hockey working there that was a summer job so that would have been the first coaching yeah i remember very well 13 years old and you're you know the junior instructor and it was the first week the first summer i was given a team to guide for the week so i had eight year olds i believe it was <laughs> so i am the 13 year old coach and you think you think you're the big show and about a phenomenal learning experience great people all around just that hockey environment uh Every day all summer, it was great, great summers. So at a young age, you kind of knew what you wanted to do, kind of. Uh, it's still, you, you don't think, you're not thinking, certainly at that point, I don't know if I yeah, even 13. think now about, can you actually make a living out of this, but it's yeah. a great way to spend the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're in the rink, on the ice. In the rink. And you're making money at 13. Yeah. So, it, it a little bit. No, didn't yeah. do a very good job saving any of that. <laughs> New skates. It was fun. Thousand bucks. Fine. Great experience. So there was, Alan always did a great job of having great people around and if you were an instructor and you stayed year after year you're a quality person uh, you're good with the kids which is number one and uh yeah enjoyed working with all the guys what was the moment where you go oh, i kind of like this i like giving instruction and people know how to respond to the things that i'm saying what like what, what was the point that you go oh okay what i'm saying is getting across to these kids what do you have like a memory of the first time a, a lesson that you taught was actually taken in not, not a first time, but I think even at that 10-year-old, when you're the demonstrator, you realize, okay, 
you you can help these younger kids. So I'm demonstrating, say, for the you know the ten and under crews. Yeah. And you realize, okay, these kids are listening to me. You're in that first time. You're in that position of, th- of authority. Yeah. But they're listening, and and they seem to like you, and and they're proving. You feel that, and that, yeah, that the passion started right then. That's great. Yeah. To to know at that young of an age, kind of what you want to do, or not what you want to do, but just have a, somewhat of a direction of something that you like. It's a blessing most people don't have. Yeah. 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 So. It, and I'm just so fortunate, you know, it's in sport, really. Yeah. Tied to also something you love doing. And you're that kid that loves playing. And then yeah. you're like, okay, I can pass some things along as well. Did you play your whole uh, life in PEI or did you leave? I know with your coaching career, you traveled the world. But your playing career, did you travel or did you stay mostly in the Maritimes? Yeah, I traveled. So I stayed till uh, 17 years old on PEI. Okay. Uh, so this is now early 90s. Hockey landscape, very different than it is now. I've heard. Very different. Um and at 17 or I was 18 years old, I believe, I went down to prep school. I did, a, I repeated grade 12. So I did what they call the postgraduate year. Yeah. And I went to Westminster School in Simsbury, Connecticut. Okay. Did a year there. Did you like that? Was that tough leaving at 17, you said? Yeah, is it 17 or is it 18? That's still at a tough 18, time of life yeah. to leave. Uh, no, I was ready. You were ready? You no, know, I, I always wanted to, to leave PEI at that time. It felt as a kid, I think growing up, that uh, PEI never changed a little bit. The little island, it seemed the same, but I think that's just the perspective of a of a young person. Now when I go back, I'd love to live there now. Great spot now. It always seems to be different. Every time I go back, there's a lot, it's, it's livelier, more restaurants, more things to do, uh, great place to have kids. So it's more appealing now at this older age. But then, teenager, no, I want to I want do it. That's fair. I want to do it. Do you have family there still? Family's still there. That's great. Yeah. So I get to visit. I remember the camping trips I took there when I was younger. To this day, I still remember. Some of the most uh, memorable times as a kid was camping there in the summer as hockey was over. I was into lacrosse mode, and you'd have that, you know, one to two-week break, and your dad would say, okay, we're going camping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went camping, the tent, the fire. We weren't in, like, a little hut, and I don't do those anymore. But I, I remember going on the island, sometimes taking the ferry rather than the bridge. I love the ferry. And uh, PEI was always a nice little getaway for me and the family. It's great. Yeah, amazing place. Beaches. You, you can't beat it can't beat the beaches that's awesome yeah you look left and right it's just sand as far as you can see it amazing place absolutely yeah um so i guess leaving at 17 that kind of equipped you for for travel and i i, I know most of the kids we talk to that leave for junior and go up to quebec and you know they, they not that they struggle with it but it's a it's a growth experience turning mm-hmm. into a man at a young age and some people don't really do well with it some kids do i'm not going to sit here and say they don't but leaving at that young of an age going well okay i know what i'm do when I think I know how to handle the world, I can leave. And I look at your resume. You traveled all over the world, and you've coached all over the world. Was that a sign at 17 to go, okay, I'm comfortable with traveling by myself and understanding how the world works and how I can implement my skill into the world of being a coach? Did, did that resonate with you at 17? Yes, it certainly let me know that, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. I like being away. I remember the getting dropped off at Westminster. Uh, I was early. My father had driven me down. And when he pulled away, I remember the first moment, there was a couple of tears because I was early. There was nobody else around. What am I doing here? I didn't. I actually knew one person that was going to be going at the school because they had attended Andrew's Hockey School. And that was a connection for me getting down there. It was a connection through Andrew's, Andrew's School. And uh, But, of course, nobody's there, so I don't know anyone. There's just some teachers. Oh, man, what's going to happen here? What's this all about? I got my little single dorm room. <laughs> it, it felt pretty lonely. But it's very momentary, very momentary. You know, day two, you just taking off. People start showing up, uh-huh. fall into it. Um, you start getting classes, the sports, and okay, this is good. 
meet a lot of great people, and you're open up to a completely different world there. How so? What uh, was the first cultural shock? Culture shock is coming from PEI, the family. You know, I got an engineer dad. I got a nurse mom. A good family, good living. And now, suddenly, you're, you're a dorm hall. It's filled with some people with some very deep pockets. Very different. Okay, okay. Right? That's that first impact. Oh, what's your dad do? Yeah. <laughs> I was the ambassador to Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Just very, very different from the little, the little guy from PEI. Yeah. Meeting these people. But uh, uh, great friends, right? You made some great friends in there. Some people you're still in contact with. And social media is great for that, finding people, seeing yeah. what they're up to. But after that start, I realized, yeah, that's what I want to do. Keep, that's awesome. keep moving. That's yeah, great. Keep moving. Westminster got me into uh, Union College after that. Where's Union College again, sorry? Upstate New York. Okay. There's yeah. a lot of colleges in upstate New York. A lot of, a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And that was my goal, going down there, uh, was to get NCAA Division One. You know, that was the target. It's the only reason I was going down to prep school. You make that happen. Happen. Not exactly the way I want it, and uh, end up transferring after a first year to St. Mary's. Yeah, and I saw that you coached there as well. Yes. Yeah. How many years did you play St. Mary's? I just played two. Two. Yeah. Two was a little darker time in Smooth's history. And how so? Ah, just the direction of the team. It wasn't there. What it, what it needed to be at that time. We we were pretty loose, pretty loosely led. Okay. Trev yeah. wasn't there. No, just before <laughs> his time, he cleaned it up. Okay. He cleaned it up. Uh, we had lots of captains practices back in my day. So. Fair enough. We were good downtown. Great <laughs> downtown. Okay, I got you. Uh, a lot of talent. Again, a lot of good guys still in uh, connection with now. Some of them, kids I train now. That's how long I've been doing this. And uh, yeah, but Trevor came in, cleaned it up, and it, it was fun to work with him for a few years. Back in the day in the AUS, was there a lot of kids from Ontario coming here? Because now it's just mostly Ontario kids. But or, or back then, was there a lot of maritime kids playing for SMU? No, we still had a big uh, contingent from Ontario. Did you still? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was still rare to have the, the maritimers on it. I think always a mistake. Why is that made by, by made by the team? Well, just attention for the team and support and having some local heroes. Uh, like growing up in PEI, there's there wasn't a lot of Islanders playing for the team. They were coming from away, and uh, you love to support your own mm. if the talent's there. Mm. I apologize. I kind of skipped ahead a little bit. I did have a St. Andrews question about Crosby. I think of Crosby every time I hear that. Do you remember the first time seeing Crosby roll through there at Andrew Al yeah. Andrews? Um, the first time. No, I think he was coming on there just as I was starting to depart, I think. Okay. Yeah. I met up with Sid when he was 14. Uh, you know, I'd heard about him. Um, he was looking for some training. 14. Four, he was 14 years old at the time, and we had about three weeks together before he went over to PEI. And that's when he made the connection with Andy over there. Okay. Yeah, so that intro, yeah, special kid. You knew even then. Mm. I'd heard these stories. Like, okay, we'll see this guy. And uh, yeah, once you saw him train and the, the dedication, you did, I didn't see it at that point in any 14-year-old ever before. Really? No, no, no. Just the, the focus. He really wanted to be great at everything. 14? 14. 14. The funny story about that, we, I remember uh, we were doing a stretch at the end of a workout, uh, assisted stretch, where I'm just putting some weight on him. He's supposed to push back at me. And he's trying his absolute hardest to push me over. <laughs> not the purpose of the stretch and there was somebody the reason why i remember the story somebody was watching us who uh, had to make a call to get to me after because they were concerned he was going to hurt himself but it's just the level of this his uh this is intention get better perform 
and be the best. So, wow. Yeah. Finishing up a workout, he's still trying to push me over. We had Stephen Lund on this podcast, and he was at St. Andrews, the, the, the school as well, and they were roommates. <clears throat> yep. And uh, Stephen got there a little bit late, and he walked into the room, and Crosby was there in the hotel room doing a workout by himself, doing yeah, yeah. push-ups. He walks in, hey, sweat. <sighs> hey, Stephen, how you doing? <sighs> just, hey, man, what's up? How are you doing? I'm, I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you. Yeah, just, sorry, just one more set. Yeah, like, just, just... The work ethic's real. Just, whoa. It. Yeah. Crazy to crazy to see, and is, so is, I didn't I didn't see him on the ice in, in uh, at, at Andrews. No, I don't I don't recall that. Okay, oh, so you got yeah. that, the fourteen year old story. That's crazy. Just seeing the drive. That must be one of the best parts of your job is seeing the drive. I'm sure it doesn't happen every day, but I'm sure you get to work with some people that just have that in their eye. Though I'm, I'm going for it. I'm obviously Brad, but yeah. there must be some other Possibly. athletes that you just must love. That go home, tell your wife, this guy, look what he did today. You must love that. Yeah, is that compete? Probably the number one thing a coach looks for you work with someone. If the compete is at that level, that elite level, you know you're going to have fun working with that person. Fun. That's right. a great word. It's going to be enjoyable. Uh, you're going to get to push them. Maybe sometimes you got to pull the reins, pull them back a little bit, but it, it's going to be a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, that compete. Yeah, and that's noticeable. Regardless of what level a, an athlete goes to, they don't all make it to that NHL level, but I, I can see it in a you know 15-year-old who may maybe not play any more than junior, but... That compete factors, one of the leading uh, uh, factors, and what gets them wherever they go. It transfers over to anything in life, even if they don't go to the NHL. That compete level still stays there in business, oh, yeah. family, uh, yeah, anything. Just yeah, yeah. It's not taught. Yeah, it's it's natural. I, I've had coaches that uh, were great at understanding how to push me and understanding how to let me live a little bit. Some coaches that were terrible at it just ride me until I said, you know, fuck you, get the fuck out of my, you know. At what point of your career did you start to understand that uh, that aspect of understanding a personality of how hard to push someone and how mm -hmm. hard to let someone go? Like, at what age did you figure that out uh, of your career? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's a natural thing. Have I always know how to communicate with an individual, mm. how far you can go. I, I read off the body language, how they're responding to me when I'm giving them. How, you know, constantly reading how much more you can get, give them before they're going to back off. Some of the elite ones, like I said, won't, won't back off. you gotta, you got to dial it back for them. But I, I learned very on. I know it's a natural yeah. instinct you have. Okay, this time I'm going to communicate with this person. Because when I'm working for them as a, on the strength coach side of it, Right. They're paying me. I'm I'm working for them. I get I get a benefit for them. I got to watch them and make sure this this whole thing's enjoyable at some level. It's, it gets miserable, <laughs> but they got to see that okay, this is beneficial and keep that uh, very open communication lines. Yeah, I I saw years ago uh, John Moore did a thing with you and you guys were playing rugby at the Commons, and I was yeah. like, that's different. Like I don't know how that translates into hockey or whatever. But I I just remember looking at this years ago. I go, that's different. Yeah. When did you start to, you, you just said, you know, it, it could be painful, it can suck sometimes, but obviously playing rugby and, you know, that, that looks fun. Yeah. Why, where, when did you, like, why do you, why, why do you choose rugby? Why do you go to the commons to do that and not really focus on the, the lifting and the, and the strength and stuff? Why do you, what's the actual goal of it? I know it's fun, but. Yeah, what was happening, that's it, I get, that was an end of a field session. So typically the, what I like to play is an ultimate frisbee, game ultimate frisbee, the way we keep it, keep it really competitive. Hmm. But it's usually at the end of a field session when we've run up Citadel Hill. Right, not we. They've won, run yeah. up Citadel Hill. I come in and play the game. I come in hot. So <laughs> He's cheating. Feel, feel, feel good. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what's happened. Yeah, but it was one year after uh, 
one of my seasons coach in Japan, I got to travel Australia. And at one stop, I got to join in on this game of touch rugby. You know, you're going to Australia and rugby. Huge, right? Huge, huge following. It's, uh, and these people are pretty serious about it. The same way hockey is in Canada. Rugby is in Australia. And they introduced me to this touch game. Great game for training. Uh, it's a, a five-touch game. Uh, as the defender team, you're always constantly backing up five yards after your tag. So it's constantly in motion. The ball turns over pretty quick after five touch. And I, after that travel, I got, I got to bring this back for the guys. And you bring that out with, with the Marshan brothers and uh, <laughs> Bodner Chuck, you know, those high-level guys. <laughs> the compete level was high. It's yeah. one win. <laughs> we, I think I had to go back to Ultimate Frisbee. It was a little less contact in that one. But uh, everybody loved it. They, again, the competitors, any chance to compete yeah. and better themselves and, you know, rise above somebody else for that, yeah. for that moment, they love it. But that's something I would do yeah, at the end of a field session. This summer it was ultimate frisbee. I just had a conversation recently about bringing the rugby back. So the ball could come out next summer. Yeah, it looked like a great, it was a great video. It looked like a great time. It's uh, some of those John Moore videos were great back in the day. You guys were on the the gym on Quinpool there, and Brad was pushing a sled, and you were taking the time of who was the quickest. And I, I you could see in Brad's eye, I was the quickest, but he only won by a second. I don't know who he beat. It might have been yeah. half a second. Yeah. And you could see like he wanted to celebrate, but he's, oh, fuck, I won. If like, there was a couple f bombs dropped in the yeah. video too, and they were just. Brad was psyched, and the other yeah. guys wanted to yell back at Brad, but they were too tired, so they couldn't. But I remember watching that video and going, those guys aren't messing around. And there's people yeah. just walking to McDonald's behind you on the sidewalk there, and you guys didn't <laughs> care. You guys were like, whatever, we're just working hard. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And to see you talk about the compete level and all those guys, I think I heard in the background one guy go, hey, hey, hey are you going to the skate tonight? And then someone goes, no, man, my legs are like butter. I can't skate. And he calls you pussy. You're not going. And I love that. Like, you better be at skating tonight. You better be there. I, I love that. And, and that, that, that whole environment, is that something that you bring? Or is that just something you say, I don't like to bring staff into my gym? Is that what you like to do when you're picking people to come train with you? That they, You know that those people are going to bring that environment to your facility. Is that something you look for in the person? Or is that something that you portray on everyone to have that compete level? Yeah, I certainly, my goal is to portray that on everyone. Okay. But you, you know, there's, there's some you can't reach to that level, right? That's, okay. that's, not, that's not in everyone. You try to bring it out. You try to bring that and compete. Let's say you're coaching a hockey team. You're trying to bring that compete out and every guy in the bench, but you've been on teams. You know, it's not the same. You know on that team who the real killers are, yeah. right? Who the guys you want out last minute. You know who you don't want out last minute. It's on that bench. They're in the same thing in that training group. So if I'm developing a training group around Marchand, like it's got to be a group of killers. They got to be. They got to be real. What a word. To, to beat them, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that group would include his brother Jeff. That would include Andy Bonnerchuk. Uh, that video probably had uh, Alex Grant probably yeah, it in did. there. Yep. Steve McCauley in there. The it guys did, yeah. that I worked with for a long time, and they know what's expected of them. And then if the clock is out, and it's compete mode. Like that's that's the battleground for the day. They they know somebody they want the crown, right? They want the cup on that day. And uh, maybe in the video you're talking about, I don't know, Marshy got caught cheating. I want he, he did he? he yes, he, he doubled up. He, I think he went right right when he was supposed to go right left on a move. And uh, all the guys watching caught it. Everybody knew. Oh, like to turn the, the yeah, sled? Yeah, I think it was a sled drag. Right, yeah. you're supposed to drag once with your right, and the next time you got to drag with your left. Yeah. 
and he got caught. He, he did the same arm twice, and the guys caught it. They're <laughs> they're always watching, and so he, yeah, he got the fastest time, but it was with an asterisk, right? He wasn't happy, and I love that. He's most pissed at himself. Yeah, he's not pissed at the guys. He's no, pissed no. at himself. He knows. Yeah, he knows. And I love There's after. There's a lot of refs watching. There's a lot of refs. Yes, and I love after how you kind of walk slowly over to the board with your marker. You took you took like a, a good couple seconds, and then you wrote the time dramatic. down. Yeah, yeah, it was dramatic, and everyone was looking. What's he gonna write? What's he gonna write? What's he gonna write? And it was the, the anticipation for you writing that. It that was, was just for was, John. That was drama. For it was. John. It was still. I don't know. It was great. It was awesome. Those are fun days. Yeah, fitness effects was uh, was my home for many years. We had a uh, room in the basement we affectionately called the dungeon. I've been there. And uh, oh, that place got hot in August. There was a lot of sweat and uh, giving giving up in that room. A little bit of vomit some days, but not the intention, but it did happen sometimes. Uh, um, great place. The guys had fun going there. And outside, like there where that video was, and yeah. basically an alleyway. A lot of fun. Yeah. Sean Alexander, Deshaun, who operates Fitness Effects at my favorite gym in the city. Probably one of the best gyms in the Maritimes by far. Is it? Just the, the atmosphere there. It's real. It's a real. It's authentic. Okay. Yeah, I don't find that. I can't go into a commercial gym. No? That's not my not my place. That's fair. I got to have some fun. Yeah, have a, what do you mean fun? You, fun you, you like the rawness of a gym? Yeah, That's rawness. Like the yeah. rust on a bar. I just want to see some. Yeah, a little bit of rust is okay. Uh, and, uh, on the kettlebells, on, on the bars. And, and just the ability, the freedom to do what you want. So my setup right now, just very athletic. I don't need any fancy machines. It's can you describe that to, to me? Like, what does that mean? No, just really athletic. Like, so I like space to move. Like, every it's open as much as I can. Might as well you have it open. You got your turf space where you're just unlimited what you can do there. You know, I don't. If the athletes don't need to go to a commercial setup where it's machine and machine and and this and this is what you do here and this is what you do here, right? You got to be able to combine things and and be able to uh, put some things together in little clusters and just have the freedom. Freedom to move. Same way they do in their, in their sports. Fair enough. Do you consider yourself uh, a little bit of an innovator when it comes to exercise and weightlifting and, and being mobile? Or do you just stick with a, a traditional plan and work with each guy individually? How do you maneuver through that side of things when it comes to actually getting a player better? Yeah, I, I wouldn't sit around thinking of myself as an innovator. But I, I push guys through very traditional things. And then you add little twists. The traditional is what works. There's There's been things that have been proven for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. They don't look that great on Instagram, so you don't see much of it. Um, there's a little bit of the new stuff you can grab and mix in. Uh, but I'm my intention is to make everyone who comes in and training uh, more athletic. If they're training with me, we're going to become more athletic. doesn't matter what their sport is. Um, what I never use is sports-specific, that, that term. Sports-specific, as far as my hockey players are concerned, is what we do when we jump on the ice. That's specific to their sport. Mm -hmm. There might be a couple uh, or maybe a little more time we spend working lateral because of the movement in in the, in the sport. We, we go a little more left to right than you would normally with a average trainee. Um, but somebody could jump in one of my workout sessions with Marshan. It could be football player, basketball player. Benefits all their sports. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. That helps yeah, the clientele yeah. as well rather than just, okay, hockey guys only. Yeah. I had a college basketball player this past summer. Um the last couple of years been working with me, and Malcolm Bussey from uh, St. FX running back has worked with me now for six, seven years. It's been a long time now, and that's his, you know, that's his main training for, for football the last couple of years. He dominated his sport, obviously. He was player of the year, I think, last year for the U.S. Wow. 
Um, Do you feel he does, success in that? Yeah, it feels it's it's like proving okay. This works. This works in other sports, right? You don't have to be the football player and just do what's traditional for football, or you don't have to do what's traditional for hockey. This is this is making everybody more athletic. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, yoga. The first ever yoga class I took was with your wife, I believe, back okay. in. I couldn't tell you the year you walked in here. I tried to tell you the last time we saw each other. I could, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever took a yoga class was uh, with your wife. I won't lie. I kind of like laughed a little bit. Oh, what are we doing here? This mm-hmm. is, I don't know. This is so, it was so new to me. I, I thought we were stretching. And then the next thing you know, we're holding the pose for a minute. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. And it's a workout. Back then, and you started to implement uh, yoga with hockey players. Was that new back in the day? Or was that already a thing? And I was just so young. No, that was that certainly that was innovative. At so that back time. then, okay, yeah. So my wife would have started that with the guys, I believe, oh four. That I wanted 05. to say oh four, but I like I said, my yeah. numbers, I don't know. And so I think it's summer of oh four, and you know it wasn't being done, and so that's at a time when I have guys like Marshan, Bonnerchuk, uh, uh, Justin Smith are going, Jeff's going. The guys are with me for a long time. They're young kids at that point. And, uh, yeah, they don't know what to make of it. I remember and everybody, you know, because it was so new. Like the same thing you're talking about. Wow, what's this good for hockey, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not a yogi. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, over time, I have a conversation with all those guys who were together with me for so many years. It's actually what they, they know has been best for them. Huh. Right. Get the good example. Bonner, Chuck, and Marchand, like, still going, still playing. Yeah. And they, they've both stressed to me, like, this is what I need. So glad I did that because they follow those routines now. It's part of their training. That oh, to this day they still the, do it. Yeah, day. yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, they know the benefits. I I found the benefits really helped me when I passed my twenties when stretching came in. Even mental health, I, like the I love the, uh, the the hot classes. There's something about after sweating your bag off and someone putting a cold towel on your head and just knowing you you worked your bag off. Just stretching and holding poses, whatever it may be. I'm sure you can elaborate on it more than I can, but there's something about it that makes me feel so good leaving a hot yoga class about myself, about my body. And then it kind of carries a tradition, not a tradition, but a momentum of, okay, I'm going to put a green smoothie in my body. Okay, I'm going to, it just helps me with momentum more than the gym, more than lifting weights. It's more of a mental thing for me, yep. yoga. Um, and I really noticed that, you know, in my 20s, and I don't do it as much as I'd like to. I, I wish I did. But uh, every time I do do it, it's, it was just so beneficial for me in so many ways. And uh, I'm happy that your wife introduced it to me back in the day. Because I probably, to this day, wouldn't have gone if I didn't really go with my buddies. You sure. know, I, I got to experience it for the first time with my friends. Yeah. And, uh, and and I'll never forget it. It was an eye-opening experience back then. Yeah, it, I think the mental side of it is the biggest. And that's what most of the guys would tell me as well. They get, they get to get in their own headspace. And I've talked about this before with people. It's such a rare thing for a hockey player. You're always in that team setting. Right, even when you're you're training, you're in a small group usually. Training solos not the best for for development. So you're always in a team setting. There's always in that hockey environment a lot of noise, especially if it's game. You're playing at a high level. There's crowds. Everything's loud and crazy. And the yoga gets them in their own head. Right, they get to be in their own heads. Just think about themselves and how they can move in their body, and yeah, it takes them to a different place. This was that meditative part of it as well, uh, which my wife Mata she stresses with the guys every I think every session throws it in there and uh in that it, it makes it stronger absolutely stronger when you, you can settle down everything being quiet you can go through an hour of a class as you know that it's physically demanding you walk out of there you're in a better place you're in a better place physically 
you have increased mobility, which is fantastic, of course, for everyone. Um, but I think the headspace that you gain, the mental uh, strength is, is the best. I think it's really good for the ego when you see people go in there and hold these poses, you know, for 45 seconds, a minute, whatever it is. And I go in there and I'm just like, I've fallen over. Mm. I got the block under my knee. And it's like, how are these people doing it? When, you know, you're an athlete growing up, you think you can do anything. You think you're a superhero, but you sure. can't hold a, a little pose for a minute. You know, I remember that being really eye-opening. Well, maybe I can't do anything, everything I think I can do. I have to be a little bit more disciplined in the way I approach things. And to this day, yeah, I remember that aspect of it, just being kind of embarrassed that I couldn't do that. And yeah, it makes you work harder. I liked it. Yeah, and you, you walk away with that respect for it. Okay. Yes. Right, this person can do that. I got to be able to do that, right? Yeah. I should be able to do that. As an athlete at a high level, I should have that ability. So there is that, that side that pushes you as well. Yeah. Even like the point of getting hot. Like I saw there was points you want to leave the room, you're too hot, but you mm-hmm. can't leave. You know, you, you just force, you got to force yourself yeah. to stay there. I don't know. The, we and could that, talk for and days. that ability is there for you to do that, but that, then that's that mental strength, right? So if you... If you're supposed to hold that pose a long time, five, ten seconds in, your the head's fading, and yeah. I can't do this, and that, you know, yeah, that yeah. inner weakness starts creeping in there, and, that, and you get over that. Again, that's another another mental hurdle you've jumped over. I love the sauna. I'm in the sauna four days a week. Right. That, that's yeah, mental. fantastic. Again, my wife loves it. Yeah. She's great at it, great routine. I I can't get into it. No, not the you... same level. No. How long is she going for? Getting hot. I, that is that time period in the sauna where you haven't broken the sweat yet. That's the longest time. Yeah, turn of it my up. Life. I got <laughs> to get it hotter. Yeah, that's it. I got to crank it. I love it for the 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 phone aspect. It's away, no music. Yeah. It's you and the sweat. I don't know. That's I'm all for my job. I I have to be on the internet. On phone. Yeah, I'm always focused on that. And right. It's the time where I can put my phone away and focus and just sweat and just be in my own head of trying to. You know, stay in here as long as you can. Sweat, jump in a cold shower, you're good. That's what I like about it. Yeah. It's really no, nice. It, yeah. Certainly proven benefits. Many, many studies. Um, I want to talk about uh, your travels, uh, specifically Japan. I've always wondered when a Canadian goes overseas, I'm assuming that people look at you for your knowledge. Oh, this guy grew up in Canada. He must know everything about hockey. He must know how to do this. must know how to do that. From... Your experience, I guess I shouldn't say Japan, but just overseas, what are the most common things that people look for you in terms of knowledge in the game of hockey? What, what, what are these people looking for in terms of advice from you? Because you've, yeah. Yeah, you've been everywhere. Yeah, yeah, not everywhere, but I, yeah, I've had a lot of great experiences. A lot. Fantastic experience. That, that, that started in, uh, first pro coaching was in Hungary. Hungary was the first that was, and that, that led, they, they all lead into the next for me mm-hmm. is how it works and that's with most work you, you make the connections go to another event i ah, meet this person they need they need a coach next season okay let's let's try this out so i went to hungary hungary started uh, my wife and i were traveling just a year before we got married and uh, it was a european trip and during that in the tail end we were in italy for a while and i was trying to drum up some contacts in hockey because then that really got me i was loving our time over there i think i want to live over here and get paid to do it uh so while we're on that trip and that's 07 08 i actually did a job interview in italy for a team who are no way we're in florence doing uh i was doing language school trying to learn the language and this connection popped up you jump on a train you go up to northern italy and interview gee that's the life right there and it was fun i was wow this can this can actually that job didn't work out but they kept those connections and that summer uh, we got back in 08 was when uh 
the call came and the email came to this job in Hungary. Uh, we had been, my wife and I were there on the travels. I'm like, okay, let's do it. We'll, we'll go. You jump in. We got married, and two, less than two weeks later, we were flying out. The honeymoon was a season of hockey and hungry, and <laughs> you know, maybe not what she was looking for. But, um, it's a hockey wife. Hockey, yeah. yeah. And uh, great experience. Phenomenal first. I, I was going over there as a head coach of a junior program, and I was supposed to be assistant coach with the men's team. Okay. And all, you know, all this is very foreign to me, how this is going to work out. I, you know, I thought things would operate very you know, similar to here, the hockey world. But I got over there, and the junior program was a handful of kids. We didn't even have enough for a team. Uh, the head coach of the, the men's team at the time was Slovakian. Did not speak English, so communication with him was pretty much nil. And it was, it was one weekend, and I knew that the team was completely tuned this other coach out. We went to a tournament in Slovakia playing some uh, extra league of teams. It was quite a challenge for that club at the time, and uh, I thought, I don't know how this is all going to go. I could be gone here very soon just because this situation isn't isn't great. Uh, but thankfully, it didn't go that way. After that tournament, uh, the general manager pulled me into a meeting and uh, said he wants me to be a head coach. Okay, let's do this. And then uh, then you take off on the ride. There, there <laughs> it is, the first job. Uh, uh, you know, at that time, coaching at a high level, all I've done is three years of assistant coach with, with Steiny at SMU. Um, so there, there was time there, experience, but you don't, you don't know. Okay, I get a team of, of men. Yeah. You know, pros, everybody's getting paid here, and I'm the leader. Okay, let's go. And phenomenal. Just phenomenal, phenomenal ride there. We had three, three good seasons. And it was in uh, the fourth year after that, I still worked with the national team, and that's when uh, Japan came on the scene. So the, the national team work with, with Team Hungary was first year I did the junior team uh, at the World Championships. They were at a Division two level right, at that time. Uh, funny stories out of that tournament. That tournament we were hosting. So we were the host team for this tournament. Okay. Uh, two of the teams at that level. So the, Hungary had dropped down the year before. So the way that works, you, know, you get the levels. So you got the world level where Canada and U.S. and all those clubs are. Yeah. Then you go Division one just basically the next six teams trying to get into the top group, usually good countries. And then once you get into Division Two, it gets a little ugly, right? You got a couple teams that are decent at hockey, a couple countries, and then some that are just putting programs together for the tournament. I got gotcha. you. Which is what you need for the development of the game, but not so good so that my team, Hungary, is a good team. It shouldn't be there. And uh, we have Spain to play. We have Mexico to play against. We have China to play against. There's three of our competitors in that tournament. The Mexican score, I was changing as much as I could. I think we hit 30. That was that was my, probably the worst coaching experience ever. And I, I was telling the guys not to score. But you, you just could not score. The, the level was that different. Uh, did not feel good after that one. So oh you end up with God. that tournament. We go into, there's only two teams really in, at our level in that term. Us and Great Britain. Team Great Mark, Britain? Great Britain. Oh, yeah. yeah, decent junior program. Yeah, they've gotten better over the years. Interesting. It's always about numbers, though, how many are playing there. Same thing in Hungary, it's about the numbers, how many you can uh, draw from. And, that ended up, and they set up those tournaments the way it's set up. It's quite obvious. Who, they, everybody's ranked. So we get to them in the final game, which is turns out to be the gold medal game. Home ice, unfortunately, didn't go our way. We lost in overtime. Ah. A lot of controversy in that one. There was a hand goal. <laughs> These things that you remember, right? it's not for me, it's not all the, the achievements. It's when you didn't succeed. Yeah. Burns, burns a hole in your brain. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember them tossing a puck into the net. There was no video review. Oh, we should have won that game. On a world championship Actually, sorry, stage? It wasn't OT. It was a shootout. We ended up losing a shootout. Oh. Yeah. Poor. poor. But everything gets greater, right? So when you're at the Division Two level, you're getting Division Two officiating as well. I was going to say, that was my yeah, next question. It drops down, right? They're not taking the tough guys. They're yeah. not coming to our tournament. They're the guy. That's, in, that's in interesting. Hungary. Um, great experience. So that was that year. Then uh, in the second season, I was coaching in Hungary. I made it to um, assistant coach with the men's team. And they were at that Division One level. They had touched the world level mm-hmm. once previous to this. They'd gotten up to the big pool, and they wanted to get back there. And there was at that men's level. There's a lot of good hockey players. Some playing out, some playing outside the country, and great level. Division one is a fun level to coach at. I bet. Yeah, especially when you're leaving your club team. All of a sudden, you go to the national team practice, and wow, things are really clicking here. Yeah, yeah. I've had that conversation with the NHL guys, and and then you, you, each time you go up, it's great. Say, Brad, it's great with you know, with the Boston Bruins. It's an NHL team. But you join Team Canada. That's a different level. Different level altogether. Uh, so that uh, two seasons <clears throat> with Ted Sater as a head coach okay. of the national team. Ted Sater is a veteran NHL head coach. Okay. Buffalo, New York. Maybe a couple other places. Ted Sater. It sounds familiar. Yeah. A ton of experience. Great to work with. Fun. Fun to learn from. Uh, good environment. Two... Uh, First year with him, we lost in the gold medal game uh, to uh, Slovenia. Host team Slovenia beat us. Yeah. And at that, this has changed over the years with the way they format the tournament. They, they mess around with the formula a little bit. At that time, you had to be gold to move up to the world level. And now I think, and not long after that, they changed it to gold and silver go up and two come down, up and down the, the ladder. I got you, I got you, I got you. From the world level, two drop, two go up. So that competes. So. Uh, I was only one at that time, missed out. And uh, second year, we were host team with that national. Well, we were hosting Hungary for a fun environment. So that's in Budapest, 10,000-seat arena. Budapest? Yeah. I've been to Budapest. I love that place. Yeah, amazing town. Yeah. Amazing town to tour yeah. around. Yeah. And we got the experience of hosting. We lost in overtime to Italy. It's another heartbreaker. Oh, man. And it was, and it was still only one team got to go up. Yeah. I'm still Again, trying to... you can still, I can still remember that you know, on the bench and just tie game, just about going overtime in the final minute, and the defender took a penalty. So we ended up starting OT on the penalty kill. Yeah. And that was it. That's it. That was it. And then the third season I had uh, back in Slovenia was the host. I was working with uh, Kevin Primo, was the head coach at that time. So I was an assistant role these three years with this club, with the national team, and uh, Kevin Primo was head coach that year. Did, uh, we were a little weaker. That year we had a bronze. But during that tournament, Team Japan is in it. And Team Japan has, I've made connections now with other people. Some of uh, Mark Mahan's the man's name, who had been coaching the national team there. He's a Canadian guy. He spent, uh, I think it was a decade, coaching Team Japan. Wow. And his assistant coach happened to uh, operate one of the teams in the Asian League out of Japan. Uh, Chris Wakabayashi is his name. And Chris and I sat down. He wanted a, a new coach to come take over the team. And that brought me to Japan. Wow! So you're sitting in sitting in Slovenia at this tournament, this great level, level, and sitting down for a job interview for Japan. And uh, I brought that back home to my wife. I was going to say she was all over it. Was Absolutely. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Adventures. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Are you, do you have kids at this point? At that point, uh, one daughter. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a great experience. I think one for her to live. phenomenal. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, all that experience for her. 
for anyone if we if we want to talk about that experience in Japan. I mean, I think everybody should have that in the, as part of their life where you experience living as the visual minority uh, in a culture, complete immersion, uh, super super for I think personal development. Interesting. Yeah. Did you speak any of the language? No, I'm pretty bad for that. Yeah. Yeah. Notori- That's fair. Notoriously bad. But yeah. My excuse and my story, I always, I'm going there to coach and lead. Yeah, but the players, you got to... Yeah, but they... I'm never going to do that very well to the same level in a different language. Okay. Especially challenging languages in Hungarian. Exceptionally difficult. Is it? Yeah. And, uh, Japanese, again, very difficult as well. So you learn a little bit to be polite and communicate with everybody, but I'm working... In all those stops, I'm working with a translator. In Hungary, I was solo, solo mission there with my club team. Mm. So one of my players would be the translator. I'm not sure he, he always followed up on all my all my directions. <laughs> Left a couple words out. <laughs> when I, when I would go on a, a five-minute rant. Yeah, boys dump the puck. Why aren't they dumping the puck? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much, pretty much Yeah, no, if I went on a rant to you know, five minutes and I see he translated in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, relax. Shoot him. Shoot him a couple. <laughs> shoot him a couple glances. You know, you know he left out the good part. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, and then in Japan, working with uh, Chris, he was uh, he's Japanese Canadian guy. So he okay. He's, he was my he's my man, my full time translator. Say. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's exceptional. That was a great relationship there. Um, I've never been to Asia. I really want to get. I want to get there for sure. What, what was the one uh, pickup? you picked up from that culture that uh, maybe Canadians wouldn't uh, maybe understand? What's what's one beneficial factor that you took from there and translate into your life today here in, in North America? Hmm. Uh, yeah, my wife and I talk about it a lot. My things, like the customer service, the way people are treated. That's a great answer. It is it's on a completely different level. I think we're good here for the most part. You know, maybe something over my lifespan you think has got a little weaker. A little more rude, maybe not as polite any as we used to be. Um, if you can even get customer times. service, yeah. If you can, Air, yeah, yeah, airport, you can get you're checking it. yourself. Grocery store, you're checking yourself. Oh, you know it's... that stuff. Exactly. Now in Japan, it, no, absolutely highest level, highest level I've ever experienced. Absolutely, no, without question. Um, just the politeness. They're trying to. They want to help you out, right? And that, and that's a respect factor, and that's a huge part of that culture. Right? You have the seniors. You have the youth, and the youth have to show all the respect for the seniors, right? And you witness that. It doesn't matter what the job is, right? Yeah, you, if you're a trash collector or a doctor, you're, everybody's given the same respect mm. right, as they should be, mm. regardless, regardless of what they do. But it's just so evident in that culture, the, the treatment of people. Yeah, I was watching a cooking show over in uh, I'm not sure where what country it was in Asia. I'm not sure what country I forget. And they they run a, a restaurant, and they looked at each customer as a god. They're very spiritual, and they said, "Okay, if customers are coming in, that means money's going in our pocket." Mm-hmm. So they looked at each customer as god. So they treated each customer like god, and they, their business was running for like 75 years. The you know passed down generation to generation, and that's how they looked at that. So whenever you say, yeah, the customer service was on point, I wonder if that's a common trait with a lot of other people over there. They just looked at the customer and whatever they're doing, the work, as God. So if they're good to God, God will be good to them. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's so religious there. No, it's just the politeness. Politeness. How how they think people should be treated, and certainly they do they do display that. Everybody, so you're going through the checkout at the grocery store, like everybody's getting the same treatment. Same great treatment. 
they're bagging your groceries still. That's still some of that's happening right there. Maybe maybe too much plastic being used, but <laughs> the uh, the treatment is there. Right. And that's something I certainly you you appreciate it so much, especially being a foreigner in that culture, and also something I try to bring back and, and improve myself. I think I was good at it before, but then once you're immersed in that, you're like, I got to be better at this. And mm. You want to, I want to feel like the the trainee, somebody training with me. It doesn't matter if it, if it is Brad Marchand or if it's one of my young guys playing U15. Right? I want it, they they should feel like for me they're getting the same treatment. Regards. So something I, I strive for. That's great. Um, I do want to talk about Brad and the relationship you guys have. It's uh, how long have you guys been together for? I think it's 22 now. 22? It's, yeah, it's 20 plus. I think it's up to 22. Who introduced to you to? That all started. I was at uh, courtside at a basketball game at the old Metro Center. I don't oh, even boy. Know. I don't even know who, who it was we would have been watching at the time. But this is who like Rainman? No, it's, way, it's even before that time, I believe. Well, I'll throw out the date. Maybe we know. I'm not good with that stuff. But it would have been 2002. That's a long time ago. It was 2002, I believe. And uh, Scott Bodnerchuk is sitting beside me, Andrew Bodnerchuk's father. And they're about to go the season. This would have been probably in August. And uh, very close to the start of the hockey season anyway. And he is coaching the uh, Tassabanum AAA team with Kevin Marchand. And uh, we started talking about hockey. Yeah. Why don't you come help us out? I just met this man. At this first first introduction with him, right? Just one of those chance meetings, yeah. and you know, it's, it's just so funny to think about that now because here's a guy that's still, you know, a very good friend after all these years, and that one meeting just because he's rubbing elbows with me. Of course, that all the all these great things have happened. Wow! And uh, so I went and coached that team. I started training the guys right away. Uh, that would have been you know, Botterchuk, Brad Marchand, Jeff Marchand, Ryan Hillier, um, Justin Smith, that crew, great team. We had a phenomenal team of talent, right? For you know, TASA minor hockey, to have a guy those guys had just named. So you got a, you got a captain of a CIS team there. You got an, two guys drafted at the NHL. You got uh, NCAA Division One scholarship. Oh, sorry, three guys drafted Hillsy as well. Three guys drafted the NHL. Um, yeah, you might never see that again on a team in Nova Scotia. Yep. Right, that many at that level. It's, it's displayed well at St. Margaret's Bay uh, Arena yeah. on, on the wall yeah, to yeah. this day. The, the wall of fame. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah, and the, the other guy on that wall, uh, Chris Potty, is, is, yes. is a guy I trained in junior as well. And his father was uh, kind of a coach for the Max when I was there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's so that started that relationship. That was at, at the Bantam level. And then it, so the training started there. Uh, just at the tail end of that summer before the season started. It was my intro to those guys. And then just continued on, yeah. Ever since, yeah. Ever since, still going, still going with a couple. Of, right, still got two guys still playing. It's unbelievable. Wild. What what a relationship over twenty years. Yeah. Two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you think the key was to to the healthy relationship? Because you know, Brad's in the states, and some of these other guys travel all over the world, and they're they're introduced to new trainers, they're introduced to new ways of training, they're introduced to new things, but yet they come home and and they listen to your wisdom. Well, what, what do you think? allowed you and them to, to have this healthy relationship for this long of a, of a time. Yeah, great bond early on, right? Maybe I had the benefit of being on the bench with their two dads. You, you know, at that age, you don't want to listen to your dad. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> hey, that's a good point, yeah. As much as they respect their fathers. So yeah. I, I came on as an, and I, 
I'm, uh, what would I be, all of them boys, 13 years older than the guys. Um, so young, right, compared to their dads, younger, compared to their dads, young guy on the bench docking. And, oh, okay, this guy played university. And maybe at, at that point, they're looking up to me a little bit. But it, it started as a very positive relationship. Uh, they, and I'm being in, introduced to them at, you know, influential age. They look for some guidance, and then once they trained a little bit, I think the real key was uh, the first full summer we got to train, and then they're going into uh, you know what is now U18, major midget there, and uh, they dominated us. Subways. Yeah, as first-year guys, all of a sudden they dominate, and it was because they entered so so strong mm. and powerful. Because at that time, it's still in a bit of an infancy, the off-season the off season training with the youth yeah. here in, in yeah. Nova Scotia. Certainly at the higher level, everybody's working out, still probably a little more bodybuilder focus at that time for the older guys. But for the youth, it was a, it was still a new thing in the early 2000s. So um, these, these guys see these benefits. Like, okay, keep going, right? Yeah. Get that positive reinforcement. It's a little cheat sheet. No one knows about this yet. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Let's, yeah. let's keep working at this. But I think they felt great and they saw it. So like, okay, next summer, let's do it again and again and again. And, and yeah, fortunate. To work with some high-level guys who have the ability to keep advancing up that ladder, and you go from uh, the major midget to the junior to drafted the NHL, the NHL camps, and oh, signing your first pro contract, and uh, it's all a result of all the work they're putting in, not yeah. just with me, of course, but they know that okay, this is a pattern. Now. These are things I got to keep going, and so when the off season comes, we we get back together again and grind. I love it. It's a great, that's a great thing. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a rumor or there's a myth, a story that the, after Brad's first year in the NHL, he didn't do that well. And then he went into the GM's office after um, team meetings and he said, I'm going to come back next year and put up 20 goals. And he did. Yeah. I think he told that to Julian, Claude Julian. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that summer, the, the summer before he went off to the season and got 20 goals? Yeah, I don't know if I remember that one particularly because you know, it, it, it doesn't change. It does. It's all no, the same level of work. The, it's not. It's all the same. Maybe they. What what changed over the course of the years with him is is how high the level was that he wanted to keep achieving. Right. So initially, what we're talking about there is becoming just a serious NHL contributor. But nothing changed. But, but like from from this past summer to when you started training him after that first year in the NHL, nothing's hmm. changed. It's it's the same. Consistency, it's the same guy, but yeah, but the the rungs are higher, right? It's same consistency, but like you you got a guy who who'd gone from a fourth line NHLer. We're talking about a guy fourth line NHLer who turns himself into world class winger, like top ten player in the NHL, Hall of Famer, if you ask me, right? You you try to do a list of guys that have that history, fourth liner to yeah, like you said, Hall of Famer. That's a pretty small list. I don't. I don't have think. another name that I can pull out off the top of my head. Not either. that I'm a hockey historian, but but his. So what I'm talking about is he always had another focus, right? So that summer in particular, is like, I'm getting 20 goals, right? Which a guy coming off fourth line experience, come on, <laughs> you're not doing that, right? But yeah, yeah, he's gonna do it. And you come back from that, well, yeah, well, I'm going to get 80 points, right? It, it, boom, 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 and it keeps going up, and I'm going to be the best left winger in the world. I'm, I'm going to be on Team Canada or something comes up. Uh, 
and then later, you know, later in the career, things still come up, and it's Team Canada for the World Cup. I'm going to be the best player on that team. I'm going to be Crosby Swinger. Right? Yeah. And it hasn't changed. And even conversations with him this summer, uh, he's got three more years on his contract. He sees this as a contract year. Interesting. He wants it. Right? He's yeah. chasing after it. Yeah. He's not done. He's not done with the game. He wants more. Yeah. That's the compete. That's and we would probably have the same conversation about all those guys at that absolute world level. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they don't want to give up on it. Yeah, well, There's always something new to chase. What a treat it must be to be around that. Not a lot of people get to experience that energy. No. No, you, you, know, you don't experience a lot. But when you do, you think, oh, yeah, this is it. This is why this guy's a top performer. He's, he has a trip planned, um, hunting trip. I think you know, it's very well known now. Avid hunter he is. Marshy Milko showed up. That's right. And uh, he has a trip planned out in Colorado. He ships training equipment to his house out there in Colorado first. That's all set up there. Like so there, there, there's, no day, there's no true day out. There's always a focus. How's it going to be? Training camp's coming up. He's coming back from injuries. Um, he doesn't want to wait until the, the deadline they give him. He wants to be prepared weeks before that, right? That's the mentality. He doesn't give up on anything. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I don't know what to say after that. It just, you just wish you could be around that every day just to see that compete level, not just with Brad, but just in every person. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's something you strive for. It's perfection. Yeah. Players like that, those top competitors, again, we go back to that compete where guys who always want, always want to compete. You've had those teammates, right? Practice is different when those. Those guys are missing. Yeah, I haven't really had many of those teammates. Yeah. It's, man, like we're talking about elite. Yeah, yeah. Elite. elite. But if we go from every level, right? Like say you're your biggest competitor at your, on your junior team. Okay, sure. Right? On your junior team, on your, your midget team, your biggest competitor. When that player's absent from practice or the game's a little different. Okay, fair. Right? Yeah. There's somebody bringing it up. There's somebody bringing up the And that's, that's top line NHL guys. Right? If they're not in the lineup, ooh, this team isn't as good practices and it's good you want to end for myself you see it in the in training in the off season Mm -hmm. if brad's part of the group uh if andy's part of the group tempo's up Mm -hmm. right it takes notice yeah it's great that's good fun to be a part of absolutely i love love the energy yeah right you know the work that's gonna be great because you're at your best going again we talk go back to that levels i was talking about practice when i go from club team hungry to uh to team hungry yeah different level then you would go from a place where you got, oh, we got some guys who are intro to training, mm-hmm. right? Young, and they don't know that compete yet. So you got a group of 15-year-olds, and you do the exact same workout with the group of killers. <laughs> it's, it's a different yeah. level. Yeah. It looks completely different. Yeah. And the same with practices. Uh, yeah, an IC team, you go from your club team, do, you do that practice, take that same practice to the, to the national team. Wow, this is different. Fun. That's great. Yeah. I, how much time are we at, Rory? I, I have a, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to offend you here, I, I, but I truly want to know, do you enjoy being in the mud? Do you enjoy the element of your job of working with people that you can help? Rather, like, I, I, if, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you could be working with top-level athletes, maybe in the NHL with Boston, you could be with anyone, but it seems like you love just to work with people that you see so much potential and to get them to that next level. Am I wrong by saying that? Or is there a part of you that, you know, you'd love to be doing 
something with a, a huge club or no, you, you like the mud and you love helping that individual. Yeah. Does that make you, sense? So you're asking me, why am I hiding in that place? In no, <laughs> I'm not saying hiding. I'm just saying it just seems like, yeah, no, it is. you know, you're working with I, all these teams in Europe and you, you know, I just want to, I want to, for myself, my business, I like, I have liked, enjoyed operating the business the way I do. I want to work with people who want to get better. Okay. That's it. They show, and they, if they find me, it's usually because they want to get yeah. better, and and they want to put that commitment in. So yeah, I don't. I, it's uh, it's not about for yeah where working with the NHL team or that. It's not uh, about that. that. No, for me, yeah, I really want to. Somebody finds me, they want to train with me, want to make that commitment to fifteen weeks in my program over the summer. I enjoy that. That's what, that's what I'm looking to do. That, um, I feel great doing it. Right. Well, it yeah. it is fun. It is what I love to do. The coaching part. Great. I think I think I do. If I was to, I'm a terrible person for favorites and what I what I want better. I, my mind doesn't really work that way. What do, what do you mean the favorites? Like what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? I just I don't think that way. Okay, I, I, it's yeah. not the way my brain works. But if I was to compare the coaching a team and coaching training, I think I yeah, I love to coach a team more. I love that. Uh, really? That that compete. Yeah, yeah. What I always tell people about that one is is it's the it's the constant measuring stick. So you're going up against another team. You know, you're playing Team B on Friday. You're planning your practices and about beating that team. And after that game, you assess how you did. You either, they either spanked you and you got to make a lot of adjustments or, or you beat them and things went well and still some adjustments to make. But it's constant, constant measuring stick. What can be done? And that can be so hard to replace that mm. anywhere else in life, right? Besides that. Um athletic environment that team environment and being in that position where you get okay you get a lot of responsibility you got to lead this team get everybody on the same page and get them to work together that's fun to do it's fun to stand behind a team when they're when they uh it's not just with the winning but when they're working you see them improving uh and all the things you're talking about and everybody working together yeah that's a that's a beautiful thing to watch i bet yeah, having uh, we just had David Miles on. He's a musician and he's playing in the Nova Scotia Orchestra. And you know, there's going to be sixty people on stage. And he's like, it's the most beautiful thing about what I do is having sixty people in sync on stage while performing in front of people. He's like, I like performing by myself or with mm-hmm. two people. But he says when there's just a bunch of people working together, he's like, it's magic. It's it's incredible. Same thing with coaching, yeah. just having people work together. Great yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the mud, absolutely. I like being in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. Find go to challenge. Go to work. Exactly. The challenge, the, yeah, the challenges in the off season are getting young trainees to to see the value in it, to, to really find out what it means to work. Because most people showing up with me, you know, they have no idea what it, what it really takes. You put them through those first couple hour workouts, they they start to get the picture, and and the ones that have that compete are the ones you see excel, and they're they're much different athlete come training camp. JP, you're the uh, you're the man. I appreciate you coming on here. I, before you go, I got to get one more question. What's, uh, in order for someone to get to a goal of what they want to achieve out of this life, um, what's one thing or a discipline that you'd say to do to this person in order for them to achieve that goal? What's the one aspect of life you'd say, make sure you work on this and you'll be fine? Yeah. You, know, you always can always come back to that fine and doing what you love, but it's got to be repetition. Repetition is what I talk about the most. Repetition. Repetition. I mean, you find that thing, whatever it is you want to do, um, it certainly applies to the training. Everything's about repetition there, but, that, but that's about life. I just start walking, right? You just kept trying, kept <laughs> trying, kept trying, kept going as a kid. And you find that thing you want to do and be great at. I see for, it's for me, coaching and getting people to experience more from themselves. It's just repetition. Do it again, 
do it again, make the adjustments along the line, but there's got to be a lot of reps. All right. I'll take that to the bank. JP, you're the so man. You, you got the reps you got in there right now. Yeah, over, over 400. This is 408. There you go. So yeah. we go back to the first 10. They probably look a lot different than the last 10. Oh. Right? I can't even go back and won't listen to the first first 200 I can't listen to. Different guy. Yeah. He developed. Developed over that time period, right? That's what we're supposed to We're supposed to evolve, change. Yeah. Hopefully you learn how to keep what works and throw aside what doesn't well if i keep getting guests like you on here i think we'll yeah. be all right people love listening to the stuff like this people yeah. love that one percent uh, just working hard and the, the the elite people love it so i appreciate you coming on here and telling Thanks your story this is awesome appreciate it um enjoy this is this is coming out monday so i'll tell okay. everyone to enjoy the rest of their week if you're not motivated by this episode i don't know what you got to do maybe take a couple more yoga classes but i know i'm jacked up right now uh, once again jp you're the man thank you thank you Josh. all right we're appreciate up it. peace
Yellow 